0: And it's good to be with you this morning. We're starting uh, a short series that will last for eight weeks um, on these last words of Jesus through um, the the Gospel of Matthew. And um, we started this morning with chapter 21. And the problem with with starting um, at chapter 21 of a um, of a book that's got 28 chapters is um, you can, you can list, miss the context of it and there is a context to what we're reading um, the context is everything and um, so what I want to do just before we, we look at what Margaret read to us this morning um, is just to look at the beginning of Matthew's Gospel because when you open Matthew's Gospel it's the, it, it's the, the genealogy, family tree of Jesus the Messiah, uh, the Son of David, the Son of Abraham, and um, as the um, uh, as we start um, Matthew's Gospel, um, it, in Greek it begins like this: the Genesis of Jesus the Messiah, the Genesis of Jesus Christ. So it's the beginning about him. and so everything that we read about. Um, uh, from chapter 1, verse 1, right to the end, is based upon um, Jesus, the son of David. Jesus, the son of Abraham. Uh, and it's important for us to grasp what's happening there. Because at that time, the Jewish people had no king. For 600 years, they had been without a king. And... Um, According to uh, the prophet Isaiah, um, the, uh, the people of Israel were God's vineyard and God had built this vineyard and he put vine dressers, he had put people there to look after it. It, it, it. In other words, he'd given the prophets, the priests and the kings to look after his people and to produce a, 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 to produce a harvest a good harvest. It was expected that there would be a good harvest. And yet the the, the harvest was not forthcoming. And so what happened was that ultimately, in 586 BC, the uh, people of Israel were taken away into exile. And Israel's last king, Jehoiakim, was taken away into captivity. And before he was taken into captivity, King Nebuchadnezzar had his eyes put out. Well, first of all, what what he did was he he killed uh, Jehoiakim's sons in front of his eyes. So the last thing he saw was his sons being killed. And then uh, his eyes were taken out. Uh, And so there had been... What were the people of Israel to do? They had no king. What we find is that God um, made promises through the prophets that David would always have a man to sit on his throne. But there was no man sitting on his throne. Had the purposes of God come to an end? No, they hadn't, because while they were in captivity, in the book of Daniel, Daniel is brought to the presence of King Nebuchadnezzar because Nebuchadnezzar has had a dream. I don't know whether you have these dreams. I have them all the time. Uh, that I have a dream and I wake up in the morning and I know I've had a dream but it's gone. I don't remember it. And that was exactly how it was with, with Nebuchadnezzar. I kind of think if somebody told me what the dream was I would remember it. Ah, that's the dream. And that's exactly how it is with King Nebuchadnezzar. And Daniel is given the uh, ability by God not only to know what the dream was but to be able to understand it, to be able to interpret it. And so King Nebuchadnezzar has had a dream of this uh, colossal statue. It's made of, uh, it's made of four precious well, four, four metals. The first metal is gold, and that's the head is made of gold. The chest is made of silver, the torso is made of bronze, and the feet are made of iron. And, that, and Daniel says to the king, these are four kings... These are four empires. Uh, you are the head of gold, King, King Nebuchadnezzar, the, the Babylonian Empire. After you will come an inferior kingdom. And after King Nebuchadnezzar came, the Babylon uh, came the, the, the Medes and the Persians. Two empires together, two empires in one. Then came the Greeks. And last of all came the Romans, the fourth empire. And... Um, With the coming of Jesus, uh, what was to happen was um, that at the end of, uh, in in these kingdoms, um, there would come a time when as King Nebuchadnezzar sees it, there is a stone that's broken out of the mountain. It comes and it smashes the fourth kingdom. And, uh, And out of that stone, grows a kingdom that will never pass away. It will be the kingdom of God. And Daniel tells us in chapter 9, that kingdom will come about through the Messiah. And so for 500 years, the people are longing for the Messiah to come. And um, in 63 BC, um, the Roman general Pompey marched into Jerusalem he came in to settle um, a a dispute between two brothers and he decided to stay and from that point on Rome occupied Israel They they were occupied by by the Romans but the people realized Rome is the fourth and final kingdom the fourth and final empire the Messiah must bring about the kingdom of God during the time of this empire. And so suddenly there is this kind of, there's this messianic fervor. So when John the Baptist comes speaking uh, to the people and saying, uh, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, the people say, you the Messiah. When Jesus begins, begins proclaiming, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, they ask him, are you the Messiah? Of course, John eventually is put to death and people are constantly through, not only through Matthew's gospel, but through Mark, Luke and John are asking, are you the Messiah? Are you the Messiah? Are you the Messiah? Are you the son of David? Because it's the son of David who is the Messiah. Um, God is, is once again reviving the kingdom of David. Not only is Jesus the son of David, but he's the son of Abraham, according to Matthew chapter 1 verse one. What does it mean that he's the son of Abraham? Well God in, in Genesis chapter 12 verses one to three says that he will make uh, uh, he will make uh, Abraham give Abraham a great name and he will bless him and make him a blessing. And that through him, through Abraham, or through one of his descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And that that descendant of of Abraham is Jesus. And this morning, you and I are a fulfillment of that promise that God made to Abraham. 4,000 years ago, God promised Abraham that he would bless all the nations of the world through one of his descendants. That descendant came 2,000 years ago and here we are today, you and I, a fulfillment of the promise that God made to Abraham. But the interesting thing also is that Jesus is a kind of second Moses. And what you see in the in the Early chapters of Matthew's gospel. Um, Remember Moses when he was born. There was a tyrant on the throne of Egypt. Who was killing the Hebrew children. We got a tyrant king who's on the throne at the time of Jesus. And he puts to death every uh, Hebrew child in in Bethlehem. Uh, Moses... When he goes up to receive the law on Mount Sinai, before he brings God's law down to the people, um, he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights. Jesus, before he begins his ministry and begins to teach the people, also undergoes a fast of 40 days and 40 nights. Moses wrote five books. What's very interesting is that in Matthew's Gospel, he he divides it into five books sets of uh, teaching by Jesus. Um, The Sermon on the Mount, there's also chapter 10, chapter 13, and also what we are uh, going to be looking at over the next um, four weeks or so. So great similarities between Jesus and uh, between Moses. But not only that, Jesus... Is the true Israel. You remember how pe- uh, Israel it has to go through 40 days, 40 years in the wilderness because they have been unfaithful to God and they, are, and they are tested in the wilderness. Jesus is tested for 40 days in the wilderness. And the difference is that Israel failed to pass the test, Jesus passes the test. And that's the greatest news that the Jewish people could have. They've failed. What we see in the life of Jesus, in a sense, is the life of Israel. But where Israel fails God, time after time after time after time, what Jesus does, he succeeds. He is all that Israel should be. And that's the greatest news that the the Jewish people can have. If you believe in Jesus... You'll be. You will be in Jesus what God always intended you to be. And so that's the kind. That's the context in which we are reading the these passages. What we see throughout the uh, uh, throughout Matthew's Gospel is Jesus as the Son of David. Jesus as the Son of Abraham because he deals with with. It uh, comes into contact with, with Gentiles all the time. People from the, the different nations. Not only that, but he behaves as Moses, only greater, and he also um, acts as Israel should act and lives as Israel should live. Um, So when we come to chapter 21, um, the the text where we're actually reading is from... uh, verse 21 where the chief priests and the scribes are approaching Jesus they want they want they're asking him a question now i must apologize for the notes that i've given you because i discovered this morning that i was wrong Okay, so, um, so my, I, I'm asking forgiveness because what I've said in that is that what the chief priests are doing when they come to Jesus in the temple where he is teaching in the temple, it's a red head- herring. They just want to, they, they just really want to, um, stop him teaching. But they come to him and they say, um, who, uh, what, or- by what authority are you saying these things? And who gave you that authority? What they're really asking is this. They want him to say whether he's the Messiah or not. Uh, Because they they really do want him to, to say by what authority. And they're expecting him to say the authority on which I'm speaking is the authority of God. I am the Messiah, I am the one that you've been looking for. I'm the one that you've been longing for, but they don't want him to say that so that they can follow him. They want to, they want to say that so they can arrest him, so they can put him in prison for blasphemy. And Jesus is not going to be he's not going to be at their beck and call. He is not, he is not going to tell them at this point that he's the Messiah. Why do they ask that question? Simply because of this. For the last day or two, since he came into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, he has been acting as though he is the Messiah. Remember what happened? He comes into Jerusalem, and uh, the people who, the the Galileans, who have come down from uh, Galilee with Jesus, um, begin to shout as they're coming down into Jerusalem, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the the name of the Lord. We make a mistake when we we say, as so many people do, that what happened was that the people of Jerusalem welcomed Jesus on the Sunday and were crying for his crucifixion on the Friday. No, it was the people from Galilee who were coming because the, the people of Jerusalem said, Who is this? Who's, what's this fuss all about? And uh, these Galileans say, this is Jesus, the prophet from Galilee. This is one of our boys. He's a northerner. Okay? He's, he's not a southerner. He's a northerner. Some years ago, I don't know whether you heard of that, I think it was about 10 years ago, um, on the run-up to Easter, uh, BBC 4, or Radio 4, um, did a, a, a series um, on the last days of Jesus. And what was very interesting is when Jesus and his disciples were speaking, they all speak with northern accents. And when, when the scribes and the Pharisees uh, and, and the leaders of the people speak, well, they're southern, as you see, so they all speak with southern accents. Sorry about that, but Jesus was a northerner. <laughs> I just like to rub that in sometimes. You know. <laughs> um, so what happens is that, uh, is that Jesus comes into Jerusalem and he is welcomed as the, as the son of David. He is welcomed as the Messiah. And the scribes and the Pharisees are really upset about this. Stop these children because they're in the, in the courts of the temple and they're singing that And they say, stop these people. And Jesus won't stop them. He says, if they they didn't say these things, um, uh, even the stones would cry out. But then what happens is he goes into into the temple and he begins to cast out the money changers. Now, imagine some 30-something guy walking into St. Paul's Cathedral or Westminster Abbey. And, you know, there's all those, you know, there's money boxes that you can put in. And, and, you know, there's there's, uh, the stalls where you can buy things. Imagine if somebody walked into Westminster Abbey, St. Paul's Cathedral, and just started throwing these out out. I mean, can you imagine what would happen Jesus is acting as though he owns the temple. And he does. Because remember what he says to them. He quotes to them from the book of Malachi. And and he says to them, uh, sorry, what he's doing is he is acting. According to the, the prophecy in the book of Malachi. The Lord says, God says, The Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple and he will purify the sons of Levi. And it's happening. And Jesus says, my house, he doesn't say God says his house will be called a house of prayer. My house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. He is acting as though he owns the temple. He is acting as though he's the Messiah. He's behaving as though he's God. And so he is. And so they come to him and they say, uh, while he's talking to the people. You know, the people should be listening to them. People shouldn't be listening to this young guy from Galilee. From Nazareth. They should be listening to the Sadducees. They should be living, uh, listening to the Pharisees, Sadducees, the Pharisees. It's very interesting. You, you know what Sadducees and Pharisees means? You see, what had happened? When the people returned from uh, exile in Babylon the the scribe Ezra came along and he wanted he wanted to ensure that they would never be taken into exile again so he began to teach the people how to keep God's law so for example if you're a tailor and you want to keep the Sabbath don't go around with your needles and pins Sticking in your, your pocket, that's work, so don't do it. And what happened was that over the centuries, over the five centuries after since Ezra, um, Ezra's um, disciples uh, had become the ones who had the authority to teach the law of God. And they called themselves the Perushim. They, 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 call, they call themselves the Purushim, they, uh, the, the gracious ones, the godly ones. So they, they hold to that title so that, you know, you people should be listening, not to this, this man, but you should be listening to it. We're the gracious ones. And the Sadducees, they're the righteous ones. The Zadokim, they, they're the righteous ones. How dare this man listen to these people? uh, How dare this, this man teach the people? So what they want to do is they want to put a stop to it. So they come and ask him this question, first of all, by whose authority are you saying this? And Jesus simply says to them, if you answer my question, I'll answer yours. John the Baptist. What about his baptism? Was it from men or was it from God? They know that if they say his uh, that he, his, um, his authority came from God, he will say, why didn't you listen to him? So you don't want to fall into that trap. But if they say... Um, it was, it, it was uh, from uh, men. What's going to happen is all the people are going to riot because they believe that John was a prophet. So they go, they go like this, they go, just a second. And they have a little talk together and, and they recognize, you know, whatever they say, they're going to be in trouble. So they come back. And these are the religious people, these are the experts in, in the law, and they say, you know, here's the, arch, the equivalent of the Archbishop of Canterbury and the Pope coming together. And they come the, um, and they say, well, um, we, we, we've had a little tete-a-tete, and uh, the upshot of it all is, um, we don't know. You don't know. You're the leaders of the people. You're the experts. You know, I'm just a guy from gallery. You're the experts. But just in case they're going to walk off, he says, well, I haven't finished with you yet. And he tells them these two stories. There's, two, two, uh, there's a man, he's got two sons. He owns a vineyard. And he says to them, says to one of them, go work in the vineyard today. And he says, oh, dad, I can't be bothered to go and work in the vineyard today. Um, I'm not going. He goes to the other son, he says, go and work in the vineyard today. The son says, I will, right away. I'm there already. And he doesn't go. But the other one thinks about it and he thinks, I shouldn't have spoken to dad like that. I will go and work in the vineyard. And Jesus says to them, and this is a very simple question. You know, there's no the, the, there's no possible way they can these people can uh, avoid the answer to it. And they say, well, you know, the what the first one. And Jesus then lowers the boom, and he says, effectively, you are the son who said, I will go, and didn't go. And these people that I'm speaking to, this crowd that you despise, this people that you look down on from a great height, this people that you told off yesterday because they were singing my praises, they are the ones who said, no, I won't. They are the the ones that you regard as the scum of society. Those that you look down on the, the prostitutes and the, um, the, the and, and the, the um, tax collectors. They are the ones in that you are in the kingdom, and you're not. You're out of the kingdom. Why didn't you repent at the at the call of John? These people did. They're the ones in the kingdom, you're the ones outside of the kingdom. And he hasn't finished yet. He says, I'll tell you another parable. And this time they know where the parable is coming from because it's from Isaiah chapter 5. In Isaiah chapter 5, Isaiah says, I will sing a song. I will sing a song of my beloved and his vineyard. And he tells the song of God establishing his vineyard Israel. God builds the vineyard of, of Israel, and he puts vine dresses, and he expects, quite rightly so, that there will be fruit. When he comes to find the fruit, there is no fruit. And this is a situation, that here is the vineyard, Jesus has come into the vineyard, comes to the vineyard and there's nothing and he expands on Isaiah's um, on Isaiah's story and Isaiah uh, uh, and what happens is that he says as a man builds a vineyard and he sends for the fruit and what happens is the people decide that they're not going to send the fruit, the vine dressers say they're not going to send the fruit what are they going to do? instead is they will badly treat the messengers these are the scribe these are the the prophets that have been sent throughout this here in this story is the history of israel they they mistreat the prophets as we're told many times in the old testament scriptures they mistreat the prophets and then jesus says this man says, I'll send my son. They respect my son. And yet, what happens when, when they send the son is they kill him. They say, This is the son. Let's, let's kill him and, and, and we'll keep the vineyard for ourselves. Jesus is speaking about these people. It's come to the point and um, it's the fulfillment of all the, it's the fulfillment of all the history of israel here he will send the son and they will kill him and then he says to them to reinforce things have you never read psalm 118 the stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone there is something very interesting about about the the Hebrew text of Psalm 118, because the word that's used for stone is ebon. It's also the word for sun. You can read it like this. The stone that the builders rejected has become the chief stone, or you can read it like this. The sun that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Have you never read, they'd heard, of course they had. It's a rhetorical question. Of course they'd read Psalm 118. They heard the children singing it in the temple the day before. They heard the people singing it the day before in the streets of Jerusalem. And they themselves are going to sing it the following Friday night because it's Passover. And you know, right at the point, uh, right at this climax of, of Passover, they sing, "The stone that the builders rejected, the sun that the builders rejected, has become the chief cornerstone." Imagine, imagine if you're a member of the Sanhedrin, and you've had Jesus put to death, and you've watched him being nailed to a cross that afternoon, late that afternoon, and then you go and you and, and you wash yourself and you put on your best clothing because you're keeping the Passover. And then you the sing. The stone that the builders rebe- rejected, the sun that the ch- builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. And this is marvellous in our eyes. Can you imagine saying that? I wonder if any of them thought, we've just done that. We just killed the sun. We just rejected the stone. And... Uh, And they know that Jesus is talking about them. So it says so. Never make the mistake of thinking that when Jesus says the, uh, that the kingdom will be taken from you and given to another people who will bring the fruits of it, that Jesus is speaking about the entire Jewish people. It's not speaking about the crowds who are listening to him. He's speaking about the scribes and the Pharisees because it says they knew he was speaking about them and they decided that they were going to arrest him. They were not going to put up with that. They were not going to be humiliated in front of this this crowd of thousands of people by this young guy from Galilee. They're going to put an end to Jesus. They've decided on it because he's condemned them. The Jewish people were not rejected by Jesus. But when it says the kingdom will be taken from you, he's talking about the authority for the kingdom. These people that said this is, saw it as their kingdom, not just God's kingdom, but their kingdom is going to be taken from you. And uh, Jesus has already said that his disciples will stand judging the the 12 tribes of Israel. They are the ones that he's going to give the kingdom to. But there is, how do we apply it to ourselves? Well, I think we apply it like this. And it's a very, it's a very um, serious um, point that's here. There are two kinds of people in this world there are builders and there are believers. And the builders are those who pay lip service to God. They say, yes, 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 I will I will do your will, I'll do what you want me to do, and then they don't do it. And as the believers who, though they may have said no to the Lord Jesus Christ, come to the point where they say, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry, forgive me. Um, remember me in your kingdom. The, the builders are those who they're not really going to go God's way, they're going to go their own way. And every every person in the world, I don't care whether they're uh, whether they're professing Christians or whether they're Muslims or whether they're Hindus or whether they're Buddhists. Or whether they're atheists, they're all builders, you see, because they say things like this. Well, I think that um, I think that I'll be all right. You know, the atheists will even say, "Well, if there is a God, I'm sure that he'll be. I'm sure that he'll welcome me into his kingdom because you know I am a good person. I am a good person. I used to say that when I was an atheist. Well, no, I'm a, I'm a lot better than some Christians." Um, I'm a lot better than some religious people, and if there is a God, I'm sure that uh, I'll get on better than they do. Um, I mean, that that I was a builder. I had nothing to build with, but I was a builder, and that's the whole problem, isn't it? You know, we don't have anything to build with. These people had nothing to build with, and so it was those the prostitutes. The, uh, the, the tax collectors who came to the point where they realized they had nothing to build with. And if you've got nothing to build with, you may, you, the best thing you can do is to become a believer. Um, may God grant to us that we won't be those who just pay lip service. So often the Christians look you know when they read these passages they simply look at the Jewish people and say, Oh, these Jewish people. They were the ones who rejected Jesus. And yes, some of them did. But it's possible even for people who, who come to church to reject Jesus. What we do is we we substitute religion. We substitute church. We substitute singing, we substitute all sorts of different things. May God grant that we might be truly uh, believers who do the will of God, who do what he wants us to and not simply play at, at, ch- at church on Sunday, because it's all possible to do that, isn't it? Um, may God grant that we might truly be those Um, who believe Jesus, hear his word and do it. Because you see it in the Sermon on the Mount, don't you? Not all who say to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. I remember He says, you know, there will be many in those days who say to me, Lord, Lord, we we prophesied in your name. We we (coughs) cast out demons in your name. We did many mighty works in your name. And he'll say to them, I never knew you. I remember one of the most scariest experiences of my life. I'm going to finish in a second. One of the most scary experiences of my life, I was asked uh, to take a, a friend of mine. To um, to a healing mission, and um, the whole thing was like Bedlam. And I was talking to one of the people who was involved in it afterwards, and saying, "Look, the the way you were doing this is not biblical. You know, can you show me anything in the Bible?" that that, that tells you that you should behave in that way. And this man said, "Ah, well, you're on safe ground, aren't you? And I said, yes, I am. And this man said to me, well, when I stand before God on the day of judgment and uh, he asked me to give an account of himself, I will say, Lord, I prophesied in your name I cast out evil spirits in your name and I did many wonderful works in your name. And when he said that, the the hair on the back of my neck stood up. I don't think I'd ever been so scared in my whole life. And I looked at this man and I just found myself walking backwards. There was nothing I could, there was nothing I could say to him. We must always be careful that our only hope is Jesus. Jesus alone, Jesus first, Jesus last, Jesus everything else between. That we might truly be his believers and not builders.